Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Welcome back, listeners, to Season 2 of the Fashion Your Seatbelt Podcast. I hope you've all had a wonderful summer break because, boy, do we have a lot of great interviews lined up for you this season. But remember, I am always open to suggestions, so please feel free to write in the comments sections on iTunes, DM me on Instagram, or even tap me on the shoulder at the shows to tell me who you would like me to interview next. To kick it off in style this season, I wanted to turn to someone I have seen for years at all the shows. Rain or shine, morning or night, fall, winter, spring or summer, he is there. If there's one person more dedicated to fashion coverage than me, it might just be photographer Phil O, aka Mr. Street Peeper, who's a fixture outside pretty much every fashion show under the sun. You can't miss him with his long black hair, dark rimmed, slightly geeky glasses, and one colorful eye-catching outfit after another. Also eye-catching are the photos he captures on the concrete catwalk. He has a tendency to snap his subjects in action, on the go, and in a hurry. Less posed than the work of most of his colleagues, his photos harken back to the work of the late, great Bill Cunningham, the grandfather or godfather, depending on who you ask, of street-style photography. On a personal level, what makes Phil such a fun guy to hang out with during the shows, besides the fact that he barely ever sleeps so is always reachable, is that he has no filter. He says what he thinks and doesn't care who hears it or how it's taken. He is a true free spirit with a fantastic sense of personal style and a brilliant eye for capturing fashion moments as they're happening with images that will mark generation of fashion lovers for decades to come. I'm particularly proud of this podcast because if you look online to learn more about Phil, well, there's not a whole lot out there. He's not a big fan of self-promotion. But even so, I hope with this interview, you will be able to discover for yourself why he's such a worthwhile member of our global fashion family. Thank you so much. I know you're packing to leave Paris. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, really. Oh, it's okay. It's an, it's an honor. <laughs> Already sarcastic. Okay, it's oh, a no. good start. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go all the way back to um, your childhood. Can you talk a little bit about um, what it was like growing up and how you kind of got interested originally in the area or the arena of fashion? Uh well, actually, I wasn't really ever interested in fashion, even when I started the blog. I just did it as a hobby. Mm -hmm. But um, I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> My parents are both librarians. You know, I was mostly, you know, like every other young Asian, math, science, uh, <laughs> must be doctor, must be lawyer. Uh, but I ended up going to a sort of weird high school. Well, because I got rejected from it. <laughs> The, uh, like sort of math and sciences academy in Illinois. Oh, really? I ended up going to this sort of weird private high school that my parents thought was really prestigious because mm -hmm. it's called Royce Moore Academy. Royce Moore School it just sounds. It sounds hoity-toity. Yeah. But it, it turns out it was kind of a school where 
misfits or people who've been kicked out of every other prep school uh, got sent. Ah. Um, but it ended up being the best thing for me, I think, because, you know, there's a lot of sort of weird arty kids, kids mm-hmm. who would end up at places like Oberlin or Sarah Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that sort of fostered more interest in the creative fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to NYU also, because I got rejected to every college I applied to. <laughs> so NYU was your backup college? You're like your safety net college? No, no I, had, I didn't even apply. I had to lie my way in because I got all the... Rejected every college I applied to, mm-hmm. like May or June or whatever. So I spent one day crying, and then I, the next day I just started hustling, calling up colleges, claiming that I never heard back from them, even though they were my number one choice, and I was really dying to go to... X, whatever. UCLA, (laughs) Vanderbilt, uh, George Washington, any any school that I just went down a list. Um, And it worked at a few places, but luckily I was one of those National Merit finalists. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is just get a good SAT score. Mm -hmm. So a lot of schools just wanted one more to add to their number for their rankings. Mm -hmm. So I managed to get into a few schools that way. Um, that's how I ended up at NYU. <laughs> oh but then, but you're like me. Like I studied political science in college. I had no inkling or interest in fashion whatsoever. So I mean, can you talk about like was that that was that born at NYU or where did that? No, I mean, I, well, the first year I wanted to work in sort of international relations, that sort of world. But then I think once teenagers moved to New York for the first time academic pursuits get put in the back burner and it's, oh, I, I want to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so then I interned at a talent agency, one of the major Hollywood agencies that had offices in New York. Um, I thought I wanted to maybe work in that field, so I, I interned and worked in the mailroom for maybe a year and a half, two years, and I realized, okay, this, is, this isn't for me. I'm, okay. not, uh, <laughs> I'm not really uh, agent material. Um, then I took a year off from school to go travel around the world because mm-hmm. I was a history major mm-hmm. and I had enough AP credits so I only need to do three years of college. So, you know, my parents being hardworking Asian <laughs> Asians had saved up, you know, money for college and as a sort of a reward for being able to skip a year, they gave me like 5000 or something to to go and, backpack around the world. Yeah, and I managed to stretch it out for almost a year. Wow. So, you know, like Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Bosnia. This is in 2000. So. Ah, before, yeah. I mean, it, the war was over, but it, yeah. it's far from the tourist uh, destinations that everybody, yeah. And then in the Middle East, um, three months all over China. And what did, what did that amazing trip do for you or give to you? How did that affect your life? Um, I think, uh, you know, the independence, you have to rely on yourself to do everything. You know, mm. This is pre-internet mobile where, you know, if you wanted to buy a train ticket from Chongqing to Chengdu in Sichuan province, you had to figure out how to do that by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you wanted to find a cheap place to stay in Damascus, you'd have to figure out yourself mm-hmm. um, and if you're trying to decide which direction to go or if the borders are closed because the SARS epidemic hit China oh my god and you got to figure out how to get home or where to go 
it's up to you to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say you had to grow up, grow up fast? Was it kind of like a moment no, where I you mean, felt like you? I mean, no, it's not like life or death situations, <laughs> but um, I think it. Well, maybe I've always been uh, not too interested in working traditional jobs, but maybe it sort of encouraged me to be able to find a career in life that's non-traditional, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, also, after after college, I graduated right after 9-11. It was mm-hmm. December, December 2001, mm-hmm. or the January, whenever that yeah. Christmas semester ends. So, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, tragedies, another um, consequence was that the job market was really uh, flat in, mm-hmm. in New York. And, you know, the last thing people, companies wanted to do was hire inexperienced college grads. Yeah. Um, which could be also just an excuse. Maybe I just didn't try very hard to find No, no, no. Out. I just interviewed Temu, and she literally said the exact same thing verbatim to me, like she graduated right after 9-11, and there was just nothing going on. There was just no oh, nothing okay. available. So it's not just you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, so so then how did photography then come into your life? How did the, the, the blog happen? What was that well, starting point? In about 06, I just had my novel published, so I had a bit of, Wait, wait, so step back. Tell me about oh. the novel. All right. Um, so I had this novel published um, by Simon & Schuster, mm-hmm. Atria Books, called Secrets of the Model Dorm. Mm-hmm. I used to live in one of those model apartments that you know agencies own to house their... Yeah, stock their models. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if they're visiting for a couple days, a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Um, my friend was a booker there, and she was like the model mom, and I was really broke, so she let me stay with her in the master bedroom in the apartment and the secondary bedroom is where the bunk beds where all the Oksana, Svetlana, Yelena lived. Um, <laughs> so I was there for about a year mm-hmm. um, and I thought it'd be a really interesting story. This is America's Next Top Model was in its heyday. The Devil Wears Prada was, oh, I guess it had been made into a film already, but mm-hmm. that sort of, that model of chiclet slash almost YA kind of romantic left things were popular. Mm-hmm. So I teamed up with one of the girls that I used to live with to um, co-write a book together. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of, you know, a fictionalized, but fictionalized account of the sort of stories that we remember from, from that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't, didn't sell very well, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> managed to contribute to the downfall of American literature. In oh, stop. In a little way. Stop. <laughs> um, but so. it did finance the start of your blog, right? It did help you. Am I... Yeah. Right. You know, after I partied with most of it. But... <laughs> well, there are priorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was involved in the nightlife scene. You know, I used to be young and cool once. Didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think actually I was ever young or cool, but whatever. Side, that's a side... Sidebar there. Um, so a lot of my friends were going to fashion weeks and Art Basel, that kind of thing, to do parties or DJ, whatever. So mm-hmm. I was just tag along, and I figured, well, I need, I'm going to all these places. I should think about something to do. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there were, I knew of two street-style blogs. You know, the Sartorialist was just getting popular, and there was one from Helsinki called Hell Looks. Um, you know, I always liked that book, Fruits, um, you know, the, or the magazine Fruits, that Japanese uh, street style. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. I didn't want to do it, 
do it, do it at first because I thought, well, there's already two street style <laughs> blogs. Is it, is it corny if there's a third? I mean, it's just, you know, there's already two. Yeah. Shit. The market's been cornered. <laughs> Basically. So that's why I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll try to make it more u- useful in a way. Like I would, I wanted to tag every single photo with what, what brand they were wearing and the style, like green plaid or patent mm-hmm. leather. So mm-hmm. someone can click on patent leather and see all the other pictures of people wearing patent leather. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be useful for readers, but I thought maybe, oh, maybe I can end up making trend reports or something for companies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just, you know, that was maybe far off, far off, but mm-hmm. it was partly hobby, partly maybe I can turn this into something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really have an interest in fashion at the time. I, did. I always tell people the only designers I knew were the ones mentioned in rap songs. Like <laughs> Biggie Smalls mentioned it, or if Nas mentioned it, I knew. But I don't know who Nicolas Gasquier was. I couldn't um, even pronounce Nicolas Gasquier. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I wanted to make it more international, so I would go to... Give me an excuse to go to Tokyo or London or Paris, mm-hmm. um, Los Angeles... Mm-hmm. So I used to just sort of hang out on street corners, but in like a cool neighborhood, maybe outside of... I used to hang out in New York, I used to hang outside that store 7. Do you mm-hmm. remember the boutique in Lower East Side? Because mm-hmm. um, I would always... There would always be cool people. Well, yeah, yeah, always. And if... I don't know, I could always just go in and ask the staff to come outside. <laughs> and they were happy to, you know. Um, and so how long was it while you were doing this kind of as a lark, you know, to, to go when you're traveling with your friends and all that. And then when did it kind of dawn on you that this could be, you could live off of this, that you could make this well, your life's work, or at least <laughs> up until now? <laughs> maybe, well, I started the blog in 06, and maybe 2008-ish, um, I got uh, a request for a proposal from that ad media buying company for Puma. Mm-hmm. They wanted to buy an ad on the blog. Wow. Um, and when when the email came, I wasn't really sure. It said thirty thousand dollars, <laughs> but I I wasn't sure they really meant three thousand. It was a no typo. Problem, there's no way it could be thirty thousand dollars. But I didn't want to say anything. What am I supposed to say? It's like, is yeah. this three or thirty? Like, <laughs> you know? So I, I didn't really know until the check came. Oh my! I was like, holy shit, thirty thousand dollars for for this fucking vlog? <laughs> How to swear? Oh yeah, you're totally allowed to swear. <laughs> Um, so I thought, well, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can make this a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started, you know, uh, contacting digital media agencies, going to dog and pony show with presentations, but you, you know, places like Connie Nast and all these, they have ad sales teams and then with a media agency, like me yeah. showing up. Yeah. Uh, Hello. Yeah. Hi guys. So I'm here. Um, Where's my money? <laughs> what do you mean metrics? <laughs> what are metrics? <laughs> but this is kind of early in the digital days, so it was more of a wild west in terms of partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really, you know, metrics weren't as powerful uh, as yeah. they maybe now. Yeah. Um, engagement wasn't measured. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it was more about your gut and what you felt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. More about branding exposure, something mm-hmm. like this. Um. But then, maybe a year later, 
uh, well, cause I never consider myself a photographer. I just, would just take pictures with a crap. And did the other photographers tease you mercilessly about your there camera? Were, no. There were no other photographers. At Fashion Week, there were no other photographers. Mm. It's just the, well, the first time I went to fa- Paris Fashion Week was actually 10 years ago, 11 years ago. This, um, this season? Yeah. It was February 07. Mm-hmm. That's when I met Tommy Tan. Mm-hmm. It was his first season also. Wow. Um, and, you know, at the time there was a handful of Japanese, um, Scott Schumann, Bill Cunningham, and maybe two or three others. But it was never really about the photography. Well, maybe Scott's was, I guess, but it was just more about the outfits. Right. Know, just, like, what people were wearing. Okay, hi, Corrine, what are you wearing? Alaya, okay. <laughs> Thank How you. How do you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> So if somebody wanted to start now with the madness that it is, um, are, what is the what is the street style etiquette like? Street style photography etiquette is that is there are there certain rules that you yourself? I mean, like I know what the front row etiquette is as far as like taking photos and putting your feet in and things like that. What is outside the shows? Is there? Do you have some kind of well, code? I, I know what I do. You know, I try to minimize my impact on the surroundings. Mm-hmm. I, I always try to watch where. I'm going, mm-hmm. um, and trying to get another other photographer's way, but the majority of photographers follow the same sort of rules. They just they sort of see all the guests as fair game, as like a shooting gallery almost, mm-hmm. as if they're not even real real people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just oh, we got to go get so and so, and you know, I've seen photographers like wave guests out of the way, like move. I see, you know, that's top of show. I, I think I think the models would rather be talking with him than getting their photo photographed yeah. by, you know, you. Um, or like yelling at Angelica Chung to move out of the background of a photo. I mean, who do you think who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of common sense etiquette mm-hmm. that just gets thrown out of the window. Which is frustrating because even though I try to do my best, it still reflects poorly on me and Tommy and, mm-hmm. and the other sort of more respectful ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what's your strategy if you've got this horde of people? Do you do people come to you or look for you? Or, I mean, well, do you have I mean, your favorites? I mean, how does that well, all? It helps I stand out in a crowd with the way I dress because I use a dress suit really colorful. Yeah, but you did that even before, right? Yeah. You were always kind of the kooky dresser. It's not like a thing you, yeah, like, no. built up to... You know, I mean, I'm not delusional. I know that a lot of people know where the photos are going, so they'll maybe mosey on in my direction if they're going that direction anyway, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I can't hate on that, thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> my life easier. But I don't know why people run around so much. When people are coming to a show, they're all entering to a single point in space. So if you stand along that path, they'll eventually come your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why. It's not brain surgery. Yeah. You kind of just strategically place yourself and... I try not to move around too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it also helps this this style of photography, like sort of captures whole scenes rather than just mm-hmm. an outfit of, you know, a woman just standing with a clean background. Everybody else kind of wants those because mm-hmm. those actually sell better to publications hmm. because they want the nice clean shot with the, you know... It could be a studio shot, or like mm-hmm. an editorial-looking thing, yeah. um, because it's, easy, it's better to illustrate a trend that they're doing a story on mm-hmm. the, in the magazine. So I, I don't really like that many photos anymore because 
it's not really what they generally what they want. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about getting clean that backgrounds. clean background shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, if I did, I'd probably be running around like every other asshole too. So who am I to judge? I guess. <laughs> what? Um, uh, so so your aesthetic is broader. Your your photos are more taking the whole ambiance of the space, and and that person within that space is more your yeah, aesthetic. I'm gonna show the chaos of Fashion Week too. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, also after doing this 11 years, you have to mix it up, you know. Yeah. You're kind of bored of just... So know, if, you say, if you say you're not selling so many of the photos that you take, then what, how, are you, how are you generating funds to finance your trips to all of the different shows? Are oh. you doing more um, shoots? I mean, t- talk a little bit, I mean, again, for people who might want to do what you do. Well, I wouldn't recommend starting now. It's just find something else to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> find another. Yeah, there's enough of us. <laughs> yeah, computer programming or real estate or something. Okay. Um, well, I'm on a I'm on contract with Vogue.com mm-hmm. for for the fashion weeks, and then the rest of the year, I do commercial jobs, advertising, catalogs, social media projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just regular. Photography jobs. Okay. <laughs> Actually, the first photography job I ever got was maybe like an 09. Uh, 17 magazine contacted me about doing a photo shoot, and I was still using a point and shoot. I'd never been on a photo set before. I never <laughs> even considered it. And it was in Los Angeles. Oh my God, a free trip to Los Angeles? Okay. Sign me up. So I went, and you know, we're at the Sunset Marquee, like a nice hotel in the morning with a call time. I show up, and there's this huge trailer there. And I thought, my, oh, they must be filming a movie. So I was like, hey, what are you guys uh, filming? So, oh, we're, we're doing a photo shoot for Seventeen. We're just waiting for the photographer. So, oh, hi, guys. <laughs> That's me. Here's my little rinky-dink camera. Let's go. Oh, I did go by. Um, I went to Best Buy and bought the cheapest SLR camera they had. You know, the Andre Agassi. Oh, no. One <laughs> with the <laughs> shitty lens that it came with. Okay. Uh, everyone just sort of looked at me like, Where's, where's all your gear? So I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah. This is where, where, are your assistants coming? Yeah. Oh, I can have assistants. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> and how was the result of that shoot? Were they very happy with it? How did it go? Well, they didn't get killed. Okay, well, there you go. It wasn't, you know, it was fine. You don't have a shitty camera now. What do you, work, what do you use now? What's your baby? Oh, I use a Canon um, 5DS. And why do you like that particular camera? I don't know. It's the only one I've only ever used that series of. Someone told me it was good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just fall into things. It's like I I gotta give you props, man. I really know. I I know very little about the technical side of cameras. Okay. I just push the button. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I do have to ask you. Where did the name come from for the site? Oh well. You know, before the whole fashion weeks, it was really mostly just about, you know, quote, real street style, and I would hang out in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it'd be, you know, kind of cheeky, peeper, um, mm-hmm. you know, peeping on the streets. Uh, but I don't think peeper is a word that English as a second language teaches, so people outside the States and the UK have no idea what it means. Oh, really? Everyone thinks it's pepper for a decade, for the last decade, Anna Delarue, so, ciao, Mr. Pepper. 
but I didn't have the heart to tell her or correct her, so I was like, okay, fine, Mr. Pepper. And that's, I'll take it. That's fine. <laughs> Is she, who are your go-to, like, uh, I love, you were talking about uh, before we started recording it, but that you, when you do do shoots, you like to, people, you ask for people who maybe have some dance experience in the past. Are there people who go to the shows that you love to photograph every time that, that are always a pleasure to take photos of, or? Well, you know, of course, Susie Bubble's my favorite. Mm. We've been friends for so long, and she's probably influenced my style more than anyone, um, like the color and the textures and the layering. And, you know, we're, we're good friends, so she feels comfortable, and she's, you know, open to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of editors or stylists or showgoers are wary of appearing too eager in front of their colleagues, let's mm. say. Um, you know, because the idea that, oh, you, well, you can't be taken seriously if you're... Getting stopped to be t- t- taking photos of. Yeah, or, oh, you know, look how vain she is. Mm-hmm. Well, do you like think that. that street style is, uh, photography is uh, respected within the industry? Do you think it... Mm. Or it's like, no. it's the the black sheep or the bastard. Well, <laughs> I think there's a generational gap that's sort of um, establishment. Not that word because that has negative political yeah. connotations now, mm-hmm. but the old school mm-hmm. kind of... The OG, friends, yeah. People who came up through the ranks before digital media became a thing. Mm-hmm. Still, you know... Yeah, a little reticent about it all. Yes, uh, but I think the younger generation that's sort of, you know, grown up with digital or started around the same time, mm-hmm. think nothing of it. It's always been a, it's always been. Yeah, they've grown. It's part of their life since yeah. the beginning. I mean, I can see how for, for someone like, Stefano, however you pronounce his last Tonky? name. Tonky. Yeah. <laughs> how obnoxious and annoying it must be, mm-hmm. and what a nuisance. Uh, we all are. So I don't I don't take it personally, well, a little personally, but I don't really take it too personally. Um, Tell me your best and maybe worst or whichever one gets like street style moment. Like is there a, are there things that, you know, moments in, in your work life that really stand out as just like a high and a low of, of your career? Those times when really good outfit comes, you, you know. I love you that know, you talk about it as a really good outfit. That's cool. Go ahead. Yeah, it's not about the per. You know, it's not like it was celebrity-driven. It's, yeah. you know, Michelle Ellie. You know, I think so, yeah. Black American slash Caribbean, but who lives in Germany. She's always wearing these yeah, okay. amazing Comme des Garçons pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could tell that she has a genuine love for for fashion and for style and, and, and the garments that she's wearing, even though who, who can wear that stuff ever is, you know. There's this time when she, when she comes to a show... That just makes it all all worthwhile, <laughs> and you know Anna Della Russo too. You know, all the other editors used to sneer at her, make fun of her, because uh, they thought, oh, like she's so, she's so ridiculous. But she, you know, she has such a passion for 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 the clothes and and a joy of life, I guess. Yes, true. Um, that. That's you know refreshing because people at fashion you know the showgoers they always look so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. That's why I never complain. I might say I'm tired, but I'm never going to complain about what I do because I'm just we're so lucky to be able to do what we do, I think. So, you know, I don't know why they all look so miserable. That's why in, in my photos I always try to make everything seem a little sunnier and happier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I smile at everybody, hoping I'll smile back. I clown myself a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not... You know, I'm 38, I'm not... I, but I, I, I try to act a little more childish <laughs> just to make everyone f- let their guard down a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. because everyone is so guarded at Fashion Weeks these days. Because mm-hmm. well, cause everything's recorded, everything's digital, everything's online, everything. That get, I, well, I have... That's, I guess, one of the final questions I want to ask you before I ask you my five generic questions is um, how has Instagram and that whole social media which because it is you you were here before that you started before that how has that really changed how you shoot or how you deal with your work life well I guess from a technical standpoint mobile and Instagram is before all all the photos were just viewed on desktops or Mm -hmm. laptops at least so the the images were much bigger Mm -hmm. Um, but now that the majority of clicks and views are on a mobile device like three inches wide yeah it's the way I crop images to to present them I have to now think about well I kind of like the whole image but on a mobile screen you won't really see it they won't read yeah so I just have to make it more about the outfit or or just you know fuck it I'll just keep it how I want it to keep it mm-hmm. um, so there's that and then um, the Instagram given rise to the Instagram influencers you know I don't even know where they come from all of a sudden the girl shows up she's got two million followers and never heard of her where did this girl come from Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden she's sitting front row at all these Dior, Valentino, Vuitton and getting dressed by them I have no idea where they came from but um, okay Miss Old you can I get a picture <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, well, what else am I doing right now? <laughs> Space on my card, I guess. Okay, five generic fashion questions because I know you gotta head out. Um, so my first question is, what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own? Uh, this it's. Uh, You're pulling it off your bed that you've been <laughs> leaning on it. It's. <laughs> it's a uh, Prada. F- Fall 2010, I think. I don't know. Tommy, Tommy Ton knows my style really well. So yeah. when he sees things on secondhand sto- um, shops or resale shops that he knows I loved, he'll text me at four in the morning to tell me about it. And um, he remembered I loved this, and it was probably like what, like three grand at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, the vestiaire collected for four hundred bucks. Nice, good for you. A, I should describe it. Now. It's like a. It's a checked uh, blue with red trim, red fur trim, uh, cuffs and collar. Yeah, that'll definitely make you stand out in a crowd when you're taking photos. I don't know. I have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is the one item of clothing you think every woman should invest in? I don't believe in classics. There's no one item that... Well, if, you know, classics are boring, that's... No, so... No such thing. Okay, good. I like that answer. Um, who is your favorite designer, living or dead? I don't really have that sort of interest in the industry in terms of co- collections mm-hmm. and designers mm-hmm. because I think my personal style is so... Uh, Eclectic? Yeah, that it's never like 
one designer I, I like worship and will buy everything from that you know okay. season. Even though I mentioned Prada, like this, yeah, but that's just because I knew Tommy told me what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you like the, the fashion itself, the brands itself. It's more the the piece or how they're put together that is what yeah draws you in. People who who mix and match things, um, designers and seasons, and you know previous old vintage things, and mm-hmm. you know the obsession with new, new, new is you know I guess I feed into it as with what I do because I'm always photographing new season Balenciaga mm-hmm. new season um, you know Dries mm-hmm. but really anyone can just go well not anyone you have to have a lot of money to, can, <laughs> you can just go buy those things yeah. and throw it on but it takes a special kind of person who knows how to mix things uh, there's only a few people who do it really well at fashion weeks anyway I agree I agree um, <clears throat> what fashion trend would you never follow black <laughs> white <laughs> monochrome <laughs> I get that um, and then my last question is um, what do you love most about fashion it's a fun way to express myself that I never considered as a child or, or in, in school um, you know I think just by looking at the way I dress you can sort of get a sense of my personality, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really fun. Um, it, it's like a challenge. It's like a puzzle every morning. Well, not morning, because I don't wake up in the morning. Every, every early afternoon <laughs> to put together outfits just because everything is so... Everything I have is print or color or or, or graphic, so... Hmm. It's all in the melange. Yeah, and then it's a way to express personality without... Um, haven't I talked to anyone yet? I don't know. It's <laughs> a very good point. Phil, thank you so much for talking with me. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, thanks. Okay. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.